0: Reading from Numbers chapter 14, starting at verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole assembly said to them, if only we'd died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land, only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder, Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were amongst those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I've performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear about it, By your power you brought these people up from among them. They will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They've already heard that you, Lord, are with these people, and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them, that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, The Lord was not able to bring these people into the land that he promised them on oath, so he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed, just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sins of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them, as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb had a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went into and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. So for our reading.
1: Well, I hope you have your Bibles open as we um, look at uh, the prayer of Moses this morning uh, from uh, that reading that Joe gave us. Let's come to the lord in prayer and ask for his help loving lord and heavenly father you are always more willing to hear than we are to pray please grant to each one of us prayerfulness as we come to know who you are more and more May we draw near to you, praying aright for the needs and situations of others. We give you thanks that as we come to you, we have one who knows our needs even before we ask, who pardons sin, who is just. Who is able to answer our prayers we have one who is our perfect intercessor before our God and Father please may you take and use these minutes we spend together now in your word to build our confidence and our need to pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, a few years ago, um, I had the privilege of having some long service leave. Uh, we took about three months, and uh, my family flew to England. But when we arrived, we stopped uh, there at Heathrow, and uh, we were asked to wait as uh, officials there, uh, assessed uh, our suitability to go into the country. Now, there were two concerns about this. The first concern was uh, our children being out of school for three months because in the UK there's a very strict policy that children must be in school perhaps stricter than what we understand here in Australia. We we had a letter from the principal uh, where our kids were at, giving his blessing for this uh, big trip. So that was the first concern. The second concern was some answers that I gave to the authorities at the desk there where you hand over your passport. For though I had said to them, we're here to have a holiday, I'd also arranged to do some preaching at three churches during our stay in England to do that, in return for some accommodation that they were going to provide for us. Very kind. And so I had this letter from uh, a a bishop's office giving approval. So we'd flown 17,000 kilometers. We'd organized these documents. We'd prepared this itinerary. uh, But then we started fearing that perhaps this was just going to become uh, a a waste of time and have to go back. So we waited. And uh, we were sort of starting to think that we were going to become a border security episode. You've seen that sort of thing? That was what it was like, you know. There we are. Where are the cameras, you know? This is it. Um, But then, right at that moment, Kathy reminded us that we should pray which is a good thing to do. And so we began to pray there in Heathrow Airport. And after about 20 minutes, a customs fellow came through one of the doors there, and uh, much to our relief, we were allowed to enter. Well, what do you do when you face major difficulties or challenges that just seem beyond you? Like at Heathrow that night, we began straight away to fear we wouldn't get in. And that reading we had from, uh, from Numbers 14 this morning, that prayer of Moses was for the nation of Israel. We've started this new series about the prayers of the Old Testament saints and uh, like Abraham's prayer from Sod- for Sodom in Genesis 18, we have here Moses interceding for Israel. And his prayer arises from the failure of the people to believe. Now, the lord had led the people out of slavery in egypt showed them again and again his power to deliver them went with them as they journeyed on their way to the promised land that he had promised to abraham but on ten occasions the people in that two-year journey after leaving egypt had failed to listen they rebelled against the lord and so here they are the people of god on the plains of Kadesh in the desert of Paran with the land just ahead of them. They choose to believe the majority report of the ten spies that Moses had sent into the land to spy out the land and come back and give an account. Their report was a bad one. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land of great wealth. You could enjoy the finer things there. But the ten spies also said that the land devours the inhabitants. The land is a land of the giants. That the cities were large and heavily fortified. It all seemed too difficult to get in. And even though the people also had a minority report from the two spies urging them to go in at once and take the land fear had gripped them the people preferred to return to a world of bondage rather than believe a word of blessing made the lord of life and hope one of death and despair and so we read in the passage that they all cried aloud they wept aloud all night they grumbled against the lord of the appointed leader of moses We should have died in Egypt. What on earth are we doing here? What were we thinking about? Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to die by the sword? Let's choose another leader and go back to Egypt. (laughs) The one final push. That was all that was needed. The destination in sight and they just want to give up. He parted the Red Sea, fed them miraculously with the manna as they wandered. Having done so much for them, bringing to this point, is the Lord going to see them slaughtered by the sword by the inhabitants of the land? It's quite a head-scratcher. Rejecting the salvation he'd given them. But then isn't it true to say our times of unbelief are irrational? we don't reject today that salvation was secured for us by Christ we believe and proclaim that the Lord made the heavens and the earth that the Lord is Lord of everything yet we still would find it perhaps difficult to believe the results of medical tests as we wait for them to come through We believe that he is uh, in control of all the courses and the events that go on in the world. He controls kings, he even coronates them. We believe that he's the one who establishes rulers. And yet question, does he really, when we see so much going on, getting away with things and misusing their power, We know he transforms our hearts and we would believe in his son and our saviour, the Lord Jesus, yet we find it difficult to believe that he could bring a stubborn friend or a neighbour to believe in him. We believe the Lord ended history as a baby in Bethlehem and yet we find it hard to believe he is active even in our personal history that he is with us in what we are going to face this week or next week. We believe the Lord suffered on the cross for our sins, that he rose again, triumphant over those sins from the grave for us. Yet we find it hard to believe that this particular sin of ours could ever be forgiven, or that power of that sinful habit could ever be broken. Their unbelief is irrational. It's like any one of us saying, I would be better off if I was still an unbeliever. Well, the people fail to believe. And there are Moses and Aaron face down, face planted on the ground before the people. And Joshua and Caleb just rent their clothes in grief because of the people and attempt again to convince them to enter the land. Instead of the land devouring them, Israel and the Lord will devour those giants and occupy their land. Do not fear. Do not rebel against the Lord. The Lord is with us. And what happened? The people pick up rocks. To stone them, as the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting, as the Lord spoke his threat to Moses, "How long shall I put up with these people? How long will they not believe in me? I'll dis disinherit them and make a greater nation through you, Moses." You know, if you've got your Bibles open, you'll see that the Lord describes them not as my people, but this people. It'd be perfectly just to just wipe them out without a single word uttered to Moses. But this is all part of the plan of God to get Moses to pray. For without this prayer, without this intercession, the people might have perished. His prayer appeals firstly to the God's glory. Verse 13, God's reputation among the nations. Just follow it with me as we look at it again. Then the Egyptians will hear of it. You, for you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people, for you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them. Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, It is because the Lord was not able to bring the people into the land that he swore to give that he swore to give to them that he has killed them in the wilderness. You see what's going on here? that the message wouldn't be that the people did wrong, they rebelled. That's why they didn't enter the land. It's not that message. It would be that the law wasn't able to do it. He got rid of them. And at this point we might ask how much the Lord's reputation and glory motivates our prayers. Why do we ask the Lord to respond to our prayers? Is it not for his name's sake to receive the glory he deserves? What do we ask him to change our neighbour's heart towards him? Is it that the Lord is glorified by another soul who understands the wonder of his grace? Why do we ask him to strengthen our churches and add new people to them? Is it that we more fully declare his praises and worth? If we ask, motivated by God's glory, we will be comforted if the answer isn't the way we hoped. If God is more glorified through my weakness, my suffering, even my failure, then my prayer has been answered when I remain like that. If God is more glorified by enabling me to rejoice in him when a door doesn't open or is shut or a deep longing of my heart goes unfulfilled, If God is more glorified when that is going on, then my prayer for his glory has been answered. If the Lord is more glorified through my failure than my success, then my prayer has been answered even when my best efforts to serve him have been shipwrecked. If the Lord is my servant then my failure means he has let me down. If he is my master, who does all good things for me and for his glory, then I know he has a good purpose, even in the worst of circumstances. Moses's prayer appeals to God's glory and the prayer Moses brings appeals to God's mercy so look with me at verse 18 the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love forgiving iniquity and transgression he will By no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Pardon them, cries Moses, just as you have before, but not at the cost of justice. The answer to the prayer is the Lord will not overlook their sin. He will continue his relationship with his people. But the original group going out of Egypt would not get in. They would get what they desired and they would die in the wilderness Would they rather go back to Egypt? Well, so be it. They would head back toward the Red Sea and not into the land. Only their children would enter and the two spies. And for 40 years that generation would wander and die in the wilderness. They shall not enter the land. Only the children, the grandchildren and the two spies. They were not all destroyed. Did the Lord change his mind? Does the Lord decide to do something and then think, well maybe that's not such a good thing after all, and change his mind? Moses' prayer has has just given me some more information. I I won't wipe them out after all. And as in that prayer from Abraham last week, we believe the Lord has full knowledge of everything. He is all wise. The Lord is eternal. Nothing in time or outside of time is unknown to him. Having said to Moses he would destroy this people, he also knows if someone would plead for them like Moses did the Lord would show his mercy and rather than carrying out his justice as much as the Lord ordains whatever happens he ordains the means and through Moses's prayer he showed mercy to Israel Does the Lord need our prayers to know better the situations that we are facing? Like Moses, prayer for a rebellious people, he knows the words Moses is going to say before he spoke them. And there are many times when the Lord waits for us To ask for things. That's because his plans is to include us in working with him to bring his will to pass on earth. It was for his glory, to show his mercy, that Moses interceded. And it is for us. For God's glory, that Jesus prays. His ministry is our priest in heaven to pray for us to the Father. For as the Lord redeemed Israel from Egypt by blood, our Lord Jesus has redeemed us through his blood. Our journey is to the promised land. Where Jesus has already entered who is with us as we journey the Lord by his spirit the people of God to whom you belong what is the Lord doing for us is he not praying that we will enter our rest is he not aware of our proneness to wander we have a priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses who was tempted to not complete his journey nor to follow his father's will. Tempted, yet without sin. Make every effort to enter. What happened to Israel at Kadesh Barnea? They fell away. They gave up. They feared. They didn't believe. It is like an imaginary Christian who is nearing the end of their life. You might expect them to be confident in hope, the hope that Christ gives. But imagine them saying, You know, I wish I'd never been a Christian, I wish I'd never followed the Lord. Come all this way. That's what they've done. Only to give up. Never make it. As Christ who ever lives to intercede for us and pray, we are to draw near to him, knowing that he is our merciful Lord. Draw near, confess guilt, confess lack of trust and times of grumbling against him. Draw near daily and see how he answers our prayers to give us help in our time of need. There is a throne of grace where Jesus, our mediator, prays. That we won't fall away but we will but he will bring us completely and eternally home draw near and see how the Lord uses your prayers in his wisdom to see you and others you pray for complete the journey taking hold of what the Lord has secured for us is not an easy task there are obstacles along the way but they are not insurmountable they are not giants with the Lord who is with us consider the suffering or difficulty you may face as not worth comparing with the glory that is before you. It is not time to turn back. Press on. It is not time to reject the Lord's. It is time to turn to Him. In neutral, you roll back. In reverse, you go back. And with Christ, you go forward. And sometimes our journey as Christians will mean that we receive discipline. We receive his correction, which is for our good. Even when it seems difficult. Draw near to your one true intercessor. For he will see those he died for safely home. If Christ has completed the journey on our behalf, what can successfully stand in our way as we follow in his footsteps? if the Lord is pleased with us for Jesus sake then no giants can bar our passage to heaven no barriers can keep us from it even the guilt we may feel from time to time our slowness to follow The lack of spiritual progress, we admit, is there. Unbelief is the only thing that can bar our access into heaven and our enjoyment of peace along this earthly journey. Yet our Lord is with us. He is walking every step, praying for us, interceding on our behalf. You've come this far. Consider what he has done. Consider what he is doing. Draw near to him. And don't lose heart. Let's pray, everyone. All the scriptures are for our good. And the warnings are there for our good as well. Father, we are so grateful that you have placed us in a church where your people here love you. Would follow you no matter what. But the warning is there that see to it that nobody has an unbelieving heart and falls away. Lord we are so Secured in the God that you are, who through Jesus hears our request and knows us and will keep us, your people. And so that warning in the book of Numbers of the people so close and yet failing to enter. Lord, Lord, would you would you use our prayers for your glory, our prayers for your mercy, that we might indeed be kept and press on daily, following you on the path you've marked out? And help us please, to bear witness to this uh, great journey as we seek to reach people who may indeed find the security and and understand the promise found in jesus for them thank you lord that these things are true for us and we want them to grow more and more that we your people might speak of them and live them so hear us lord and